welcome to episode 7 of the WebJoy podcast. I'm your host, Eddie. In this podcast, we interview guests about their origin story and what makes them excited and joyful to be part of the tech community. I hope you enjoy today's episode, So Many Options to Learn, with Emily Patterson. I'm excited to have Emily joining us today. Emily, say hi and let people know a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me on, Eddie. Hi, everyone. My name is Emily Patterson. I am the Director of Product Management at Fortress Information Security. So I am helping build cybersecurity software for critical infrastructure companies, anyone who provides your power in the United States. (laughs) I've been in technology for about 15 years. Did that math the other day, got very depressed. (laughs) (laughs) I've worked in a lot of different industries, primarily in B2B SaaS. So I've done immigration SaaS, I've done health tech, and most recently I've been in cybersecurity. So this is my second stint in cybersecurity. And it's a really great field. Can't recommend it enough if folks are interested in it. I do product management. Uh, I've gone through the gamut of levels of product management from a contributor to running my entire team. In general, I have really spent a lot of time around technologists and working in different contexts and making different connections with folks, et cetera. So very excited to be on this podcast with you, Eddie, and talking about what I like about it. <laughs> Because it's easy to be negative. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so how did you get involved in product management? How did you decide, oh, hey, this sounds like a thing I'd like to do? (laughs) Yeah, so product is one of those fields that back when I was in college, that was definitely not a thing at all. So (laughs) I knew I wanted to get into technology. I did my undergraduate degree at Boston University, and I started doing some consulting work and got familiar with like, what opportunities there are actually in technology. And one of the things I really thought I was good at and things that I liked was working around software engineers. I'd taken a couple coding classes in high school and college. To be honest, not very good at it. <laughs> Can't debug my own code for my life. So so really limiting <laughs> for a developer <laughs> career path. So I was working as a project coordinator type person and a business analyst uh, when I was very early in my career. And then from the business analyst role, I kind of morphed into product management. There was a a large rebranding that a lot of tech companies did (laughs) in the late zero zeros, early tens to move away from the title of business analyst to product manager, product owner. So that's kind of how I got into it. And I've just been in it ever since. So I started my career writing business requirements, BRDs in the the waterfall world, PRDs in the agile world. We just did a rebranding. But doing a lot of that documentation, working with the engineers, getting work planned, getting roadmaps made, that sort of thing. It's just been my life ever since. I'm pretty good at it now, I like to think. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm sure you all, if you've made it this long, I think you're probably pretty good at what you do. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) What is it about product management that keeps you excited or keeps you kind of plugged into things and enjoying what you do. Yeah, product is one of those roles that actually can be pretty exhausting. I certainly have burned out in my career a couple of years ago. I had a pretty pretty tough mental health couple of months there after, you know, really just giving your all to a company. It really can drain you. And I try to caution younger early career product managers to not let that happen. So it's very easy You owe a lot of people a lot of things as a product person. You owe your engineers some good explanations and business justification and context. You owe your stakeholders 
information about what's coming up next and what's happening and if anything has gone wrong. <laughs> I know you owe your customers follow-ups and release notes and all those sorts of things. And product management can very easily be too big of a job, to be honest with you. There's a lot you have to do and there's a lot of responsibilities I think as a group, product managers tend to put a lot of pressure on ourselves. We always have to be showing up for our team and showing up for our boss and showing up for the C-suite and showing up for our customers and our other stakeholders. And it can be really exhausting to, and you forget that you also have to show up for yourself. So product for me has always been a thing that I just really like building stuff. I like seeing it go from an idea to a real thing that people use. I work in B2B SaaS. So one of the things that I get a lot of joy from is actually helping other people do their job. So when you're in B2B, you're, someone is trying to be an accountant or trying to <laughs> be an immigration lawyer or trying to be a cybersecurity engineer or analyst, and your software is helping them do a better job at what they do. So you're literally enabling someone to do their job. And that can be really powerful to think about at scale. So if you are working in marketing technology and you have 50 big customers, Think about how many people that's impacting, not only the marketers, but the people receiving the marketing, right? So actually, even the smaller things that you do can have a really big ripple effect. And if you take really good like pride and care of your products and you keep improving them and giving them love and care and affection, you can really have a big impact on how someone's day goes. If you think about that, some random cybersecurity engineer like logs into my product on a daily or weekly basis. And that's a part of their life. That's what they get paid to do. If you don't enable them to do their job well, you're kind of failing at your job. So <laughs> it's a responsibility, but I love having that kind of an impact. Right now, we literally secure the grid of the United States. That's a big thing, right? I get a lot of personal satisfaction <laughs> from those moments when you take a step back and really think about the big picture on, on what we're doing here in software. I think it's easy to kind of get swept away and in the bugs and the backlog and, you know, oh my goodness, the sprint and <laughs> the story points and all of that stuff. <laughs> Thinking about the big picture, it is really fulfilling what we do. If you really think about it and your product is providing a good service and hopefully everyone's product is providing a good service. <laughs> it's not, you may want to think about things, yes, reflect a little bit. Might consider maybe another company. <laughs> But that's what keeps me coming back every day, to be honest with you. I just love building. I love working with engineers. I really appreciate hanging out with my fellow nerds on a regular basis. I think it's great. I found myself a couple of years ago, very burned out, trying to think, what else would I do with my life? And I have decided that this is just what I do with my I can't imagine myself doing anything else, to be honest. With you. That's awesome. I think two things that stood out. First of all, I love that idea. Product managers are showing up for everyone else. You've got to show up for yourself too. I feel like... That's probably going to end up as a quote somewhere on a page in <laughs> marketing about this podcast in some way, because I love that quote. That's amazing. You probably should use that quote if you haven't, like on your Twitter and different things. I think that's that's excellent. Uh, but also with your story, it seems like not only have you been in a lot of B2B spaces, but it sounds like you've been in a lot of B2B spaces that really are kind of public utility focused. The grid, cybersecurity. I believe you said kind of healthcare and stuff. Mm -hmm. And not everybody I think needs to follow a path of needing to work in a place like that necessarily. It takes all sorts for sure. And even the fun stuff is there to give people joy and pleasure and things like that. But yes, it definitely makes the tough days easier to recover when you can think about the good that you're helping to do in the world. I know a lot of people actually trying to get into like climate tech right now for the same reasons. 
there's just the appeal of doing something for future generations and for the good of the earth and for other people and that sort of things. I think there's more of an appeal now if you're thinking about a career change or a different industry. I I have found it to be a great motivator in my day-to-day work. <laughs> awesome. That's great. As we do with this podcast, we talk about, hey, what's something that brings you joy in the tech industry? And so I want to extend that question to you, Emily. What is it that you've found or noticed that brings you joy that you'd like to talk about today? Yeah. So the one thing I have been doing is standing up a product management incubator, which we could talk about a little bit later. But in doing that, I have been exploring and looking at a bunch of different B2B SaaS tools that maybe I don't get to use in my day job. But I know other people get to use in their day job. And so I've been looking a lot at like Miro and some of the other collaboration tools like Mural with an L at the end, Figma, all of these kind of tools that product managers use. Even Atlassian, Confluence and Jira. What I've been seeing lately is this trend, and I love it, of just a lot of best practices and knowledge sharing. So when you sign up for Miro, you're not just getting a whiteboarding tool. And someone just put this on Twitter that I saw like yesterday or today or something like that. You're also getting all of these templates. And if you look at the templates, they have done an amazing job of writing like, this is a jobs to be done template. Here's what jobs to be done is. Here's how you would use this template. Here's how you could use this template. Here's who generally is using this template. This is great for product managers and designers and UX researchers. And they've done such a good job of creating that content. Not only are they doing it for retention and conversion and tracking those metrics, (laughs) they're making it more valuable as a product. But I mean, it's out there. It's free to look at. You can go look at the Figma help pages. You don't have to be a Figma customer to go see their support section. And they have so much knowledge sharing that they are doing about best practices, about how they use tools, about how tools can be used. And then I thought Miro was a great example because you could learn like all of the really big product manager frameworks that we use very simply by clicking through all of these templates and reading about them. I thought it was so great to see. I've seen this on a bunch of other tools too. And it, I think, in my opinion, not only is it helping, obviously, their retention and metrics, et cetera, but it's also allowing people who don't have access to that information to learn about it, which has traditionally been the gate, right, on a lot of technical topics. And in product management, especially, it's really hard to know what goes on over there unless you already work in a tech company, unless you already work with the software development team in some capacity and you've interacted with a product manager before and you can see them work. Like, what do they do over there exactly? And now you can just go Google this and there's 18,000 median articles and 20,000 Google search results or whatever, probably 2 million Google search results. Product Board was the other one that I was looking at. They do a really great job of trying to tell you not only about their product, but about product management in general, like here's how to do this. And I just was on a mini conference with them and got introduced to their community and they have put up a whole community and it's obviously to support their product, but (laughs) in general, it's free to use. Anyone can log in and just ask a bunch of questions. And there's a huge amount of knowledge sharing that I see. They're also really helping people understand what happens behind the scenes, how people do that. And the dev community has this too. They're the same way. They have so many resources that are totally free and open and you just register and like, here's all your stuff. You can (laughs) get yourself acquainted with what goes on and how it works. You don't necessarily have to pay $15,000 for a bootcamp 
to understand if it's something you're interested in, which I think is super duper important for people trying to get into tech, trying to transition around tech. If you're a UX person and you think maybe you want to learn how to code, I maybe you don't want to pay a bunch of money to get a CS degree or something like that, or go to a boot camp and those sorts of options that exist. It's so much easier to just dip your toe into it. I was just chatting with the alumni group from Boston University, my undergrad this morning, and I was talking about that in the same lines as like when I was in college, if you didn't take a class in it, you really didn't know about it. There was none of this stuff out there. It was really hard to know what was going on in the tech field to understand what career options are available to you and how does that team work? And if you decide, I don't want to code, there's a million tech jobs that don't involve coding. And it's, it's hard to tell what those are sometimes. But now all these resources are out there and you can go find out. It's amazing. It's so great. I was telling someone about being a technical writer. Like you can work in a tech company and use your English major. I'm serious. You can use that English major that you have from your liberal arts college. And you could be a really great tech writer and make a bundle of money and work in these great companies and get all these perks. You don't have to be an English teacher to use your degree. And I think that is the one thing that I've noticed lately in the last like five or seven years. Product marketing is like a really big thing now. And developer relations, they produce a ton of great content for free. That's their job is to say, hey, you could use this tool in this context and do this. And they just help you do your job better. You don't have to hunt down uh, somebody and beg them for their time or spend a bunch of money going to classes or certifications or anything like that. You've got these things that are available to a lot of folks and all it takes is the internet and a couple of hours that you commit to it and you can learn just so many things. You know, I was poking around at cloud security the other day. I don't have a ton of cloud security experience. So I was learning about it. And it's so easy now to access resources. And everyone has written a book. There's books about everything. It doesn't matter what the topic is. There's going to be a book about it. Like someone's written a book about the very niche thing. One of my Twitter buddies just published a book about platform product management, like extremely niche. And it was super helpful and very well written. And I just love that. I love that people can go on Gumroad and publish a book. And now there's this super niche topic that you can pay $5 for and have a book available. And it's just so different than if you didn't have an O'Reilly Media contract in 2001, you weren't going to get your stuff up. Be thoughtful about what you're signing up for. But just the fact that there's so much available, I think, is incredible. And I love it. And it's so great for decreasing the barriers to get into different jobs inside of the tech world. I remember in high school, like shelving Pearl books. I worked at our public library and I had the computer book section, which was awesome for me because I got to read them sometimes on the break. But that's what we used to do, right? You checked out a Pearl book from the library and then you went home and you tried to do it. You didn't have a tutorial on your screen on YouTube that you could literally code along with. And it's a total game changer, I think, for people to learn in different ways. If you can't just read a book and understand it, most of us, I don't think, can do that, to be totally honest with you. I think, especially in technology, a lot of us are visual people. Like, we want to see it and understand it to fully, like, process what's going on. And just having the ability to be like, you could read a book, or you could watch a YouTube video, or you could read this blog because it's shorter, or you could listen to a podcast or an audiobook or something. Like, you've got so many options to learn about whatever, developers, relations, product management. There's like 18,000 product manager podcasts right now. And I love every single one of them. And I try to listen to as many as I can because it's just so fun how much is out there. I love it. I think that's great. I think the different formats is a huge thing. I have two toddlers. I don't have a lot of time to sit and like read books. So 
I listen to podcasts and that way, like I still get to consume stuff while I'm doing other things. Whereas in other times I've just wanted to read and I haven't wanted to listen to anything. You want to sit in the quiet right on a rainy day. (laughs) Only someone with toddlers and babies can really, I think, comprehend like, yes, I would like to sit in the silence. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I think that's awesome. Those different formats. But I think one other thing that I think is really cool about the information sharing about what you're talking about is that these tools actually also open up the information sharing across functional areas. So for example, I actually was the one who introduced Miro at my last company. I was like, hey, I'm going to use this. The pandemic had started and I was like, I need a way to be able to engage with the team visually. So I started a trial of Miro and we just happened to use it with one of the product managers one time and then he fell in love with it. Then the product team ended up using it more than my team of front-end engineers and designers, but they made sure that every time they did a planning sheet that we were added to it. And so Mm. we could see their thoughts as they developed. And when it was time to start talking about where they're at in the discovery process, they could walk us through the highlights and we could go down later and dig in as much as we wanted to. But suddenly as engineers and as designers, we got to see the discovery process that our product partners were doing, and it made it so much less of a black box. It made it feel like we were more partners and we were actually able to share information and we understood where they were coming from. And so that helped take down some of that like product engineering barrier, if you will, that sometimes exists. (laughs) Yes. I love to hear that. One of the things that I always try to coach more early career product managers is there's no such thing as sharing your work too early. Just share it. I don't care what state it's in. Be a hot mess. Huge rough draft, bunch of errors in it. I don't care. Share it anyway. It's just so nice to give people that transparency and allow them to follow along, right? Everyone likes to to understand what their colleagues are doing on a day-to-day basis and product managers, especially. It's not as cut and dried as I coded a thing. Here's the thing I coded. Now you can see it. QA has tested it. Here's the thing I built. You know, it's it's not always that, <laughs> not always that straightforward for other functions, not just product managers, obviously other people who do more conversational work and more relationship building and things like that always kind of, you know, have that issue of like, well, what did you do today? Like, well, look at my calendar. <laughs> but being able to share those conversations in that way is super powerful across an organization for alignment. Uh, for trust building, right? Like you don't feel like your product partners are in a black box and they're not talking to you. Oh my goodness, right? It feels like you're on the same team, which is especially in a full remote organization. That is a very important thing. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I started in September, my first fully remote role. And I really appreciate now how much extra effort sometimes you have to put into showing and giving that visibility, especially to your engineer teammates. Yeah, absolutely. It's trickier. I've been remote since 2015. So definitely there's a lot of tricky things when you're remote of like, how do I communicate and create human connection when you're so far away and stuff? Um, And I think that's another thing that the SaaS tools right now are doing so well. I've seen probably like 10 different startups in the last six months that are like, let's all have a coffee at the same time. Like the coffee bot on Slack. Hey, everybody, it's coffee (laughs) chat time. And we're all going to hop on our cameras and have a coffee chat. It's just so fun to see like people coming up with answers to these things that like, I I would describe them as inconveniences a little bit, to be honest with you, but they do bring, (laughs) you know, a smile to people's faces. And they, I think they improve 
especially fully remote companies. They definitely improve the quality of life. <laughs> like you said, there's definitely a ton of those. And some of them operate better than others. But I think the heart of all of them is in the right place of connecting people. So that's cool. Absolutely. As we wrap up here today, one thing we always like to do before the end is to just see if there's anything that you've been working on that you think might be helpful to the community. Anything you'd like to share? Yes. So I have recently, as of March, stood up a product manager incubator program. So this is a program aimed at underrepresented backgrounds in technology. So non-men, right? So if you identify as not a man, hey, yeah, let's hang out. Um, and if you are not white, basically, for lack of a better phrase, right? Essentially, if you are not me. Not Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking at some of the big tech companies and their diversity and inclusion reports, and the numbers are just still not great. So I'm trying to find like ways that I can help, especially in product management. I've spent a lot of time being literally the only woman in a Zoom meeting of 15 people. And it's 2022 at this point. So I'm trying to do my little part to fix it. So right now it's free. I'm not sure if it will always be free, but it will absolutely always be low cost. I can promise you that 100%. The point is that we're not charging $4,000 for product management certificates that may or may not be impactful. But it's a free program right now for underrepresented folks in technology to learn how to be a product manager. And we do the whole product management life cycle. So we teach you how to do the things, but then we're actually applying those things. So we're building with no code tools and all of the members of the cohort are literally building a product. And at the end, they're going to be able to chat with some really great product leaders, get some feedback on their product and how they built it and their techniques and their presentation skills. That's important too. Get some really actionable feedback and then actually have not only a polished, beautiful presentation, they also have a real product that they can show potential employers and build some credibility that I have built a thing before. I have experience. You can hire me for this, you know, product owner, APM, early career product manager role and allow hiring managers to just be more confident that the person they hire is going to be able to land and keep up. That's all we're trying to do, right? Because that's the biggest (laughs) issue for product managers, especially in junior roles, early career roles, is it's really easy to get over your head, to get overwhelmed. People are so busy. They don't have time to mentor sometimes, which isn't great, but it happens. It totally happens. So giving them more skills so that they can land in these roles and be successful, right? Because it's not just getting the job, it's staying in the job and staying in the career. I think it's been a big success. We've already had two out of our six people get new roles while they're in the program. They haven't even finished yet. And we've got people who are getting a lot of traction on resumes and job applications and things like that. And the products they're designing are so cool. I'm meeting with two women are building out a gifting suggestion service. It's so cool to watch them think about it. What would make that different? What would make that special? What would make people want to use it? actually go through, it's really about going through those thought processes. The product at the end of the day is fine. The important part is that they did the work. They put in the reps. (laughs) It's kind of like running. You don't just sign up for a marathon without training. You've got to do some training. And that's how I feel about product management as a product leader. And as a former hiring manager, I used to hire a whole bunch of product folks. It's really important to be able to have some experience actually doing the work so you don't get overwhelmed. That's what I'm working on. It's called In the Lab Product Management. Uh, the website is in the lab pm.com. I did get the .com label. 
thumbs up. Nice. Uh, and we're just in the process of a pretty new rebrand with our great designer. If anyone out there knows someone who wants to get into product management from outside of tech or even from inside of tech, if you're in a CS role or an account executive role or something like that, please tell them to sign up. We're starting our next cohort in the fall. Very exciting. Awesome. Do you have a specific month that you're planning on starting? Oh, man, great point. Just as a caveat here, the program is run by me and me, and I'm the staff of In the Lab product management. So I'm doing this all out of pocket, bootstrapped. There's no money flowing anywhere except out of my <laughs> out of my wallet. <laughs> out um, of your wallet. We're trying to coordinate stuff for the next cohort right now. I am thinking the next cohort's going to kick off in the August, September timeframe. I'm hoping awesome. to time it so that it wraps by Thanksgiving because nobody wants to be dealing with this during the rush up to the holidays. And then hopefully if that cohort goes well, we'll be kicking another one off in January. But there's an open application. It's super easy. There's four fields that you have to fill out. So if you hear this and you're interested at all, please feel free to pop your name in there. And I am personally reviewing everybody's LinkedIn's <laughs> and will personally be reaching out to everybody as we get towards a start time. Thank you for joining us today, Emily. It's been a pleasure chatting. Thank you so much, Eddie. It's been great. Thanks for joining us for episode seven, So Many Options to Learn with Emily Patterson. You can find out more about Emily on her Twitter at epat6. You can find links to everything we talked about in this episode, as well as a link to Emily's Twitter in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, help others discover it as well by rating and reviewing it in your favorite podcast directory and following us on Twitter at webjoyfm. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Next episode of WebJoy. I think of designing my life as like a big experiment. A big experiment of seeing what brings me joy and what I like to do and what I'm good at. And just trying a lot of things out and testing stuff because... As a designer or as myself, I used to feel like I needed to be perfect. I need to wait for the perfect time. I need to ask for permission to make sure everything's like pixel perfect. But then that really helped me back from actually executing things. So I think of myself as having discovery and just testing things out and seeing what I like the most and what I'm good at to see what I can make the most impact. It's also like having an infinite mindset of just seeing what works and what doesn't work and iterating from there. Keep improving instead of worrying about being perfect on the first try. So I kind of seeing designing my life as like designing a product and collecting data and using that to keep improving it. And it's always fun to learn because I feel like when I'm learning, I'm growing and I'm improving. And so that feeling, that excitement of learning new things is what keeps me going. Like a big experiment with Grace Ling. Oh,